Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Man, Ed, looking at a doozy today. The best of EC Comics Artists Edition Volume 2. Excited to dive into this. Before we do, we have a new project in the works. Cartoonist Kayfabe Comic Book Christmas in July. You guys know those little neighborhood lending libraries that are around? I feel like most neighborhoods have these or you see them locally. There are a lot of makers out there in the audience that have a box of uh, contributor copies or they have uh, maybe some doubles. What we're suggesting is the last Saturday in July, take some of your com extra comics, populate those lending libraries with comics. Let's make some new comic book readers by putting comic books where readers can find them easily. And those lending libraries are the key. So comic book Christmas in July, the last Saturday in July, stock those local libraries with your doubles, with your comps, with uh, some good comics to attract new readers. And uh, this is the latest idea to, to make that work. Throw in a little photocopy or printout with some of uh, where can they find more comics if they like what they find. I listed our local library system really good, local comic book stores, and of course if they want to hear about comics, some cartoonist kayfabe links there. But uh, let's make some new comic book readers. Also want to invite everybody to like, follow, and subscribe to the cartoonist kayfabe YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. Hit that bell icon next to the subscribe button. That'll notify you whenever we post new videos. And if it's a book that you need to add to your collection, it'll give you a leg up on the kayfabe effect. You'll be the first one searching for that at your local shop or on eBay, Amazon, wherever you go to find these books that we show off. Also, let these videos play through to the end. That allows YouTube's algorithm to share our videos with other comics fans who haven't found Cartoonist Kayfabe yet. It's how we grow the channel. We appreciate your help on that. And without further ado, Ed... Let's dive into one of the greatest original art collections. Unbelievable that we have access to a book like this. What we are looking at right here is a co illustrative collaboration between Al Williamson and Frank motherfucking Frazetta. I'm looking at these marks, right? Like that looks like a, making use of a brush that has split hairs. Yes, it does. And you know what? I, I see this sometimes on like uh, Xenozoic Tales. Yeah. Mark Schultz would do this kind of line. I really like that mark and and I don't know man maybe it is a split brush I don't know how else you would make it one of the other things that I uh, really like is that you know these guys are true pen warriors and they know where to put holding lines and where not to and quite often the the idea of even putting the holding line which is not natural you or I do not have black lines around our That's outer right. shapes <laughs> I can verify that <laughs> uh, it's about it's about uh, volume and, sh and sh shading and stuff and you can see great examples here where of course the white of a fur that's being hit by the light like why would that have black lines around it this is a very instructive penmanship I also just love how colorful this is for you know you think of original comic art as ink on paper black and white we've got the yellow patina of the paper some blue pencil in the background and these red mark red lines what a beautiful piece for an original. Yeah, it really held up a lot, man. And I'd like to think that it's Frazetta uh, doing these uh, pencil marks, just basically letting, I guess, Marie Severin know, like, hey, how about a tapered color right here? And, of course, when they scan that in, that's not going to that's not gonna uh, re reproduce. And the red lines, you know, for the people who are new to, to the vid or whatever, these indicate color holds. So there absolutely will not be a black line uh, that, that shows up it will be you'll see one color up here you'll see another color here and they get rid of that red line uh to to indicate color background it creates that depth of field where, where you know these background shapes are recessed behind the black line that you see um how about the scales of of this alien right here 
it's it's almost like that that brick wall thing that we talk about where like there are the guys who draw every single brick wall uh, art adams treatment would be much different on the textures of this than what frank frazetta and l williamson are doing but it's it's quite perfect man you know they really abide by their light source uh when we were down at heroes con somebody said i forget who it was man what was it jim starlin uh who said that uh the way that Howard Chaikin would indicate light to the colorist is to see where the little glint was yes. on the pupil of the eyes. And like that's where he wants the light source to be. These guys really do have a light source in mind. So everything that's hitting that light is showing up white. And you're seeing more of the texture uh, in the reflected light. Yeah, and also these lines that describe your form as you're getting maybe either texture or shadow or both, but wrapping around the form. It's just beautiful. You have to. Like, probably one of the great masters of that in EC is is, is Will Elder. Uh, certainly in a later period with, like, Goodman Beaver and stuff. But you really run the risk of flattening out your image if you don't do that. Yes. You have to go with, and you have to think through the shape of the... Of the... It's incredible. You, you see where those holding lines aren't. There's, there's quite a few of those places. Calves, but even this, like, tentacle arm, no holding line in the shadow part of that. And for showing your form with the lines... There's several of those great examples throughout here. Just really perfect. And then maybe a little Wally Woodruff yeah, uh, yeah, influence I, I right there. That. Yep, definitely. You know, just That's for a, a big piece of the shading. On the cake. And really nice shadow on a boot going solid black for, uh, for, for the foot that is in the back. And I got to point out, we picked this up, the uh, letter ledger yeah, yeah. at uh, a, a zine about this font, Incredible Stories. That's the font that's that's mentioned in here, usually in uh, conjunction with early Marvel Monster <laughs> comics. But it's a font that's been around quite a bit. And it's kind of cool. Uh, reading this zine, I started thinking about where I find these these fonts. And then here we are seeing it on the ver on the cover uh, on the first video we're recording after Heroes. So kind of kind of amazing. Ed, are you ready to dive in? Let's do it. Oh, man. I mean, that's... there. You can't do another set of endpapers for this kind of book, and this is just letting the kayfabe crew know what's in the pages here. Yeah, talk about a preview, but geez, Master Race, bigger than it's ever been. This is an eight-foot mural if you had the whole page in front of you. This is what I want in these artist edition endpages. Like, really take advantage of this canvas, and that's incredible. Yeah, it really is, man. And, you know, for those playing at home who might be new, this is the artwork of Bernie Krigstein, who is represented rather well in this in this uh, volume. It's It feels so smart the way that they curated these things uh, because the first volume has a lot of the same players here, but it really is almost like a catalog for those, like, name brand artist editions you get more grassley graham ingles go get that yeah. artist edition you want more wally wood go get that artist edition <laughs> let's get that Krigstein. what the fuck why not yeah seriously kurtzman look at kurtzman doing some serious war comics there it's incredible how his line work can be funny mm -hmm. and and that's what i think most that's what i think of first but when you see it describing this stuff it's equally adept at, at doing war how about this man like we were talking about having your hatch lines kind of go with the the form to create that volume he's able to do it with parallels mm -hmm. you know he doesn't do what al williamson and frank frazetta did on that front cover and his use of that razor blade you know given <laughs> given some color yes gigging his artwork a little bit <laughs> to create that mist really effective to help create that foreground background separation yeah and it'll just give marie severin or whoever's coloring this that easy ability to just make that one color this is clearly the focal point this is probably the focal point that would probably be pure white yeah probably and like red coming off of yeah. it striking yeah. 
It definitely is. Uh-oh. Wow. More of that Williamson, man. He would uh, often use photo reference and, and pose stuff. You know, all these guys are probably him and Angelo Torres and Roy Crankle. Uh, so when you get poses like this, you don't draw that out of your head. You know, like you're, you're, you're seeing some photographic imagery. And what this image just communicates, it's like the end of a fire dude's getting up and like a dude yawning mm -hmm. it feels almost like uh rough for a norman rock rockwell painting from another planet or something but then like look at that dude you know just these like it's it all feels so considered and then there are these things that just look like kind of quick but more that split hair stuff he's really putting that to great effect yeah it's almost a, white... a dry brush yeah just just not quite there, but uh, I'll give props to Randall Dalk, the design on this book, because we often look at these things and the designs sometimes work and don't. I love this. Like, yeah. take advantage of these canvases, man. This chance to show off this art on a two-page splash this size, it's phenomenal. And you really get to see, like, Al Williamson, you know, these broken up lines and stuff. Details that I would miss on a smaller scale. Oh, yeah. Or my head would be under the camera blocking uh, everybody's view at home so that I could see them very close. So fantastic to see this stuff at this size. When you see these lines, like it, it's cool, right? It's fine. Mm -hmm. But there's a heavy hand to the brush. He really is a pen guy. It's very, uh, it's an organic brush too. I don't know if you're holding it up or something, but if you, you know, it just feels like that kind of like drawing with brush. I saw a David Show video recently and I think he had a brush pen. And it's a different brush, you know, it's a different line, I should say, Yeah. Um, you know, depending on how you hold it. And that's what I get with that. Trying to bring out textures, you know, like we see it all over from the mushrooms to the mountains in the background, all the vegetation, like all the textures they're able to do in black and white. Nobody does texture like this anymore. It no. just doesn't really exist in today's comics. It's almost a black and white painting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could look at these giant blown-up panels all day. <laughs> A little Dr. Seuss uh, quote. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> keep 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 us uh, keep that in mind as we go through. Yeah, don't lament the end of this stuff. Starting off strong, dude. This is nice. So they have them broken up into like by artist, almost yes. like chapters by artist. Tell you what it is, where it appeared. A couple of covers and a story is what we're gonna get here. And Johnny Craig was like one of my first EC favorites. Mm -hmm. uh, really liked his crime comics, getting into that. But he's another guy. Like, he's just everything is on that page. Yeah, I feel like his style is like one of the most understandable of, of those early guys. There's cartooning to it. It looks like comic drawings. Uh, you know, he's, he's bringing... It's less photo referenced than a lot of those other dudes. But when you see these pages, you can't help but think about all the legends of these guys turning in the pages at the office and seeing one another's work because you're trying to stand stand up to these other fellows yes. you know and they're putting it they're bleeding on the paper here yeah um and i think you see a little bit of that milk kniff you know uh -huh. the, the heavy brush heavy shadows see it in the hair and stuff so Absolutely. a little different flavor than that frazetta williamson direction that some of the ec guys are coming from um, as you say, though, like a lot of uh, comics on the page here, a lot of comic style. Look visible. at how wet those willow trees look. I was admiring the metal of the uh, of the car. He does Iron Man uh, in the future. Just the tatters of that, like creating a, a, a janked up, rough looking background is not that easy to do. It's true. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitating as I should turn the page here, but I get sucked into all these backgrounds. I know. Like the amount of detail on these backgrounds. They let you know the backgrounds are part of the story because it's not always that way. Right. So the dilapidated house is an important storytelling piece. Phenomenal light sources. I feel like Just when, you, when we see this kind of thing, that's not so typical for, for Johnny Craig, I don't feel like. But, no. I, but I think if... It's like Reed Crandall showed up. He, like he's he's not doing Blackhawk anymore. He's kicking it with the EC guys because he would bring that to uh, to the party. There is so much black ink on these pages too. You know, from the solid black bits, but also like just the amount of texture that's that's on every piece of this. It really fills up the page. And look at this man. It's uh, expressionistic. You know, we're going we're going uh, Potemkin with this one ganging up zipatones, man. So like this is probably the texture and the pattern of the original and then you just cut an extra piece, lay it on top and then you get this this kind of pattern. Uh, I'd like to see what that looks like in color. Like I bet Marie yeah, Severin right. probably will go 100% with a color just so that you don't add another round of dots to just hypnotize people. Yeah, this whole thing I think about like how does it look in color because of the amount of detail that's on here. What wild comics. Like, they would be almost muddy with the amount of ink that you're getting. This is a filmic technique, I feel like, man. Like, I, you could... I can imagine, like, several kind of dissolves that show that kind of... It's a show of Shayla Femme. Like, let's get a look at the lady we need to go chase after. Yeah, and continuing that kind of almost montage style. A lot of film stuff here. It makes me think of, like, noir is, is starting to happen in movies, you know, in the late 40s, early 50s. And it feels like it would be very... I guess influential on these guys because that's that's where my mind goes to whenever I see this more of your screen tone a couple of screen tones and doing some of that ganging up of the screen tone it might be three or four rounds it looks like it because you can see those uh, like the parallel lines as well as some dot screen tones and then of course drawing on top of it <laughs> I don't know how you know I don't think Johnny Craig was known as fast no wonder like how much work is he putting on each of these pages yeah, the only guy who's really known for the speed is uh, is Jack Davis. And you look at that stuff and you're still like, well, how the fuck? You know, I think probably just like not that much penciling or something. I feel like Craig really put a lot of story in his covers. Absolutely. And I, I mean, like you can see everything you need to know there at a glance. And and that it's like you you create a composition. It's almost like everything is framed around this. And this is the whitest part of the entire illustration. Oh, yeah. Like you are looking at that and it is not... Uh, it is not unclear what you're looking at. Right in the middle too. And look at how heavy this foreground line Amazing. is versus these trees that are just the thinnest pen line scratched in the background. Amazing, man. Like, like Great depth. It would, it would be scary to put those lines down myself and have something that, that thick. But it speaks again to your kniff. Mm -hmm. and, and dude, you just isolate this. You, you might say, oh, is that a Charles Burns piece? Yeah. Great texture on the jacket, too. Yeah, using pen on that, probably fine liner. This is fantastic, man. In in, in black and white line, like, how do you create a, translu or a translucent image? Put a bunch of white media on it with a dry brush. Yeah, it's very cool looking. It really works in the final printed thing, too. Like, you got to have some confidence to do this because this is dicey. You don't you don't know how that's going to print, but the, the final edition like it, print, it prints really well yeah that's got to be uh 
over time, yeah. you know, having some experience is what allows you to do that and think, yeah, this will print the way I want it to. Yeah, like all, these guys, they would have their tricks. If you if you follow their body of work, you would see that maybe he would try this on those pussy willow trees that we saw earlier. Uh, that and and as an artist, that's the thing that you're going to look at when you get your comps or you see the thing mm -hmm. in print. Like you like that's immediately where you go. Let me see how that reprinted. Did it do what you wanted it to? Because then you could have the confidence to make a prime feature in an image contain some of that. And and just look at like the the sort of uh, confidence that he has as an, as an artist because he had to draw this guy, you know. So he drew a face and he took time to do that and to accurately light it and all that stuff. And now he's going to go over it in white. It seems like uh, it seems antithetical. Yes. Kill you your darlings. It. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Heading into the Jack Davis chapter. Jack Davis, another EC artist that has his own uh, artist edition dedicated to him. So we get one big story from him, Last of the Mohicans here. And right away, man, you already see this kind of like uh, reverse screen tone, this white screen tone here. These guys are just doing so much work on the page. And yeah. I guess if you pay your artists more than the rest of the industry, that's what they come back with. You know, I feel like these guys, you can see their appreciation in the artwork. They were going for it on all of these pages. Adding white on top of that screen tone, no less, man, to give you some of that current in the, in the water. Jack Dave is such a pleasure to look at. That's fun. <laughs> a little bit of, bits of cartooning up top. Yeah, do you see it? Do you think that's, that's this piece, right? Probably. Yeah, maybe. Working this out. That's amazing if that's the extent of his layouts. <laughs> <laughs> Ben Oda busting out the, the serif font with his hand lettering, man. I was actually admiring his hand lettering a lot when looking through this volume because it's a, uh, it might not be this piece, but there's definitely like a chisel tip kind of thing where there's thick and thin lines on his hand style. This is one of those panels where it's super dense and you start looking and, and it reveals kind of those backgrounds, like a lot of depth in the background of faces and then all the way back silhouette shapes. Like there's a ton going on in yeah. that panel. Yeah, this is often a challenge. Like when you have a, a sequence like this with a bunch of background figures, like, like what do you do? Because none of these guys are, the volume of people is more important than looking mm -hmm. at the actual people. But then there are these moments where, you know, Davis will, will draw these guys. I like this effect for foliage because it is this like these dudes are being chased, hunted down, and it's sharp foliage that they're running around and evading uh, in addition to the soldiers that are chasing them. He's good at framing. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Man, that hand lettering is a nice change of pace. Yeah. Yeah, Oda's a bad man. Love seeing like how much variation can we get on a page? How can we make these panels stay interesting? When you see sequences like this, this is... Kurtzman taking some control and he's got the best illustrators in the game and he's going to turn them into really good comic book storytellers. This storytelling style, you will not see Jack Davis or Wally Wood or any of those guys employ those kind of techniques on the Al Feldstein horror sci-fi strips. It's only in the Kurtzman stuff where these artists are reined in and they are no longer illustrators of prose. They are cartoonists. They are making comic books. Which is, it feels different than the, uh, the, the wider EC world where it's rarely ever even a panel-to-panel -panel sequence, you know? It's like days of time can go by between panels often. Uh, it's never, it's rarely a moment-to-moment -moment thing. These are, that's a great one-two side-by-side panels. 
and a cover by Jack Davis here on Incredible Science Fiction. That was my first uh, Russ Cochran hardcover that I got at, got at the flea market for like 10 bucks. So all this stuff in the Incredible Science Fiction, it's imprinted in my brain very deeply. And it was the only instance in my entire young life where I thought, maybe I can't draw comics. <laughs> like, maybe that's just not going to... Not in the cards for me. Yeah, this is not who you want to compare yourself to, especially early on. <laughs> there are several strips in throughout this book. I'll probably call them all out because they're so important to me. But when I do call them out, you will be like, yeah, that's that's a tough thing to look at when you're 10, 12 years old. You know, I make note again of this background being done with very fine pen lines. Uh, we saw Johnny Craig in that previous cover doing it. Uh, interesting technique, you know, because you see like the thick, brushy line of the foreground elements. And then that, that very light, thin line. Um, interesting way to create depth Davis, through, through your line. Yeah, Davis is a master at that. Uh, look at the bulk and the movement of this Mastodon-type character. It really feels like it's lumbering, and you could almost feel its gait. Yeah, it like, looks tremendous. Just really, really solid. Although I'm trying to figure out, like, it feels like there's an, an extra leg or something with this leg. That's just the back one. So, like, these are the front joints, and then... These are your front two, right? I, I think these are the front two. I don't know. <laughs> getting, getting tough there. All right, George, George Evans coming up. Again, a story, a cover. The best way to support Cartoonist Kayfabe is to buy the comics that Ed Piscor and I make. Red Room Trigger Warnings 1 through 4 is in stores now while supplies last. Every Red Room comic is self-contained story, so whatever issue your comic shop has is a great place to start. There's also Red Room, the Antisocial Network, collecting the first season of Red Room, available now wherever comics are bought and sold, except for 28 countries where it is banned and about 10 comic shops where it's banned, but you can still request it, they can still get it for you, and you can pick up Hulk Grand Design by me, two double-sized issues retelling the 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk in one coherent story, featuring my art, writing, color, letters, uh, the Grand Design treatment, so to speak. So pick these comics up wherever you buy comics and support Cartoonist Kayfabe. And now back to our regular scheduled programming. Um, it's a really good selection to be able to get like a complete story out of each of these guys too, like a really nice sample. Absolutely, man. Uh, George Evans is almost always like one of the last names to come up when you're talking EC. And it's so unfortunate because look before you, this is very accomplished work, but now you're amongst the best of the best and the result of that is, is your, your name gets mentioned less. It almost feels less stylized. Like coming from Jack Davis or even Johnny Craig to, to this George Evans story, like these feel much more like people and a little bit less cartoonish yeah. or caricaturish or stylish than, uh, than the previous pieces. But then like he's known, I could always point out, pull out his work looking at the eyes because he will kind of cartoon that a bit. Always very big expressive eyeballs. Incredible page going in and seeing this guy hung and then we cut cut to a long shot on a bridge of just like what's going on i like that you say hung too because so do i when it pe other people say hanged and i also say i have to go lay down lie down lie down it should be that's how you read it in books and shit and you know for uh your comment about him being maybe the less uh, a lesser known among these ec guys you still see similar techniques you know you can still imagine that they're they're trading art around the office and looking at what everybody's doing and incorporating the stuff that you think works 
So you do see common commonality in some of these techniques. When, when you're drawing well-referenced figures and stuff, it's the scenes like this that are extremely brutal. And I guess, uh, spoilers, these guys are kind of conjoined. <laughs> and that's your twist ending, your O. Henry. <laughs> Look at all the bros together. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know those stories about not doing dog fights because they're boring? How about that for a composition, avoiding any kind of boringness? Yeah, he was known for the, for, uh, the, the plain stuff. So when they, they get a title, Ace is High, that's a title that's catered to George Evans. It looks like it. It looks like he's having a ball there. Even the smoke of the of the plane coming down, a couple of these planes that have been shot down. It ties everything stuff. together, man. Totally. Like, that black makes you look at everything. There's so much going on. You know, like, I keep looking and seeing more stuff, like this plane coming out of that smoke. Several. It's a whole posse. Three. <laughs> I always loved the painting on the planes. Pretty badass. And I was such a mark for that as a kid. We're at a point now where, where like... It won't be too far before they start painting like your shit on on a uh, painting. I've seen some of our bros had some imagery on, you know, fighter jets. <laughs> it's amazing. All right, Jack Kamen. Another one of those guys, and he's one of the, he's one of the EC pantheon that makes me realize that it's possible that EC is one of those early houses where they would cater the stories to the strengths of their artists. Like I imagine that Gaines and Feldstein would come up with something and just say like, yeah, this is a Jack Kamen story. This is a Graham Ingalls story. Uh, and with Jack Kamen, he's he's like the John Romita uh, of, of the crew. Like he draws the most beautiful people. Almost everybody else draws ugly. Even like imagine like, imagine Graham Ingalls drawing this with these wet looking people right. and stuff like it would be <laughs> it would be yes ghastly but he could comes from headlight comics romance type comics love this robert crumb character in the background yeah and just that cartooning 101 as we call it man got the brunette got the blonde so yes. that we never get them confused two completely separate hairstyles yeah the ec archie style here yeah these are beautiful pages like his ability to do figures and also to do kind of like the sensitive hatching whenever it's like a, a, an arm muscle or shadow it's really phenomenal even he, coming into the shadows on these figures really strong he builds the most solid faces out of everybody in ec like there's never an eye askew and and they all look yeah, uh, great they all look super perfect but another thing that i always would pay attention to with with jack Kamen is some of the greatest drapery I've ever seen in black and white line illustration. Every fold works. I really like this. Don't see a lot, you know, like the ECs I think of as very rigid the way their panels are broken up. Uh, even this piece, you know, it feels like you're you're doing some doctoring to get that figure to fit in there nicely to break a panel. Don't see a lot of panels being broken in these EC comics and he's doing it a few times. That's true because it would be lettered ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So this is lettered in with this in mind that right. it would just break the panel would be this way but he figured out a way to actually get some drawing in there because look at all that fucking prose yeah it really makes these pages it, it separates these pages again try to keep them interesting uh can be a challenge i think and he's solving it in a way that we haven't seen before it also makes those figures feel really big you know like they're bigger than a panel so you don't see that in most of these stories 
breaking a you know the open panel this is what i was talking about with the shadows you know like he has so much black in these pages where like i i don't know how you would think to put that much black into these figures like almost all in shadow doesn't feel cinematic it mm -mm. feels like something else that he's doing i notice this stuff when watching movies and when there's some interesting lighting happening but like when the ear cast a shadow that's like a very wild phenomenon to see and then to replicate that in a drawing like good luck but he f completely pulled it off it's almost uh, uncanny valley some of these faces some of these close-ups yeah like look at this man uh super thick for the upper lip or or the the sort of down plane of the upper lip and no holding line for the top of the bottom lip just like letting it go and it, it completely works you're right about the great eyes We've seen several of these just in this story. Just just perfectly built faces. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Frederick Wortham was right, man. Yeah, he really was. There's another <laughs> one of those figures breaking all... I mean, how dramatic visually is this, that choice? Yeah, and it's... It, it's uh, it defies storytelling. Like, it's, it's, it's not a good thing to do, like, for a comic book storytelling, I don't think, because it's like, you... I feel like, you know, once, once you hit this... I'm looking at that before I'm reading this. Right. So, uh, it was Ivan Brunetti's thesis that the 22 panels that always work that Wally Wood laid out uh, is really 22 panels, 22 ways to keep yourself excited to while drawing fucking Al Feldstein scripts that have a million uh -huh. words on the page. Uh, so that's what you get more with their stuff. That's why I talk about like when you see the Kurtzman books the Kurtzman strips, he takes these guys and turns them into actual storytelling cartoonists where the story is paramount. It just so happens that you get the best illustrators who are also putting their own illustration flourishes on it to make, you know, the most astounding comics of, of the brand. And I see Red Room in this panel. <laughs> the silhouettes, the, the blood splatter, like all of it. It feels, uh, it feels real good. You know what I like here, though, is this effect of like almost a reverse starburst mm -hmm. around them. That's kind of a cool flourish. It's a nice detail that would would not have to be there. Like that's really adding something. Also, the lettering is real nice. The scream lettering is always a classic. Don't these pants feel pretty accurate? The way they look good. The way the drape kind of it doesn't wrap around so much. It kind of hangs. Yeah, it looks good. Uh oh. Here we go. So Bernie Kriegstein, one of my favorite EC guys, and we're gonna get four stories out of him. Yeah. This is reason to buy this book alone. Uh, I'm such a fan of his stuff. And really, as you go through, they're all different from one another. They are, yes. I, I would, I would say, like he's the most mature in his, in his uh, delivery, in his approach, and just the draftsmanship. You know, he's. I don't see like he's not jerking off to the Al Williamson. It's true. Shit. Like he's doing his thing, and he's using like classic academic illustration techniques to, to tell his stories. These are dumb lines. Yeah. You know, we've, we've talked about that in the past a little bit with Mazzucchelli's work on Batman Year One, but these lines are not sexy. They're, they're very much like I'm creating gray matter, so I'm hatching out these lines very quickly. And I'm amazed by the amount of screen tone that he's applying here. Like, this is almost painting in gray. Yeah. In, in screen tone, no less. And it creates an opportunity where you, you, can, you highlight the focal points. You, you gray out everything and you highlight the focal points. This is just tour de force stuff. 
So we mentioned how these boards show up with the lettering already on them. So it's kind of almost broken up into like a three panel piece, but he was interested in the storytelling as well and would go through and like cut this stuff up or break the panels even further. So you're seeing him like, you know, taking these and, and then subdividing them even smaller. And like this kind of a screen tone, it's just this abstract piece on top. Like yeah. nobody, we haven't seen anything like that. And it's, and it's perfect for the moment because this is chaos. This is a, bit, a panel of chaos. It's an aberration of humanity, like a person killing somebody. It's a, it's a moment of insanity. So how do you draw insanity? It's like when you play Pictionary and then you think you're, you're a badass, but then they right. say, uh, draw an ambivalent hum. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, he's creating mania right here. And, and that's classic stuff. You know, the, he studied Picasso, you know what I mean? Um, you mentioning the idea of the, like lettering on the board and breaking stuff up. I mean, this is a proto, this is proto master race. It's perfect yep. for it to be early because breaking stuff up like that and having that many panels, uh, just was never done. I love the, uh, use of like just shapes for lights very much feels like a night scene, especially where those lights are out of focus. We've all seen that either in photos or, or video or in real life where they're just kind of a circle of light and then all the running. I'm so impressed by that. That's a hard thing to do and make look dynamic and he pulls it off over and over another abstract man it's a it's supposed to be the flashlight mm -hmm. but look at it, three or four different approaches to flashlight you have this you have this with like a white highlight on that guy you have this kind of a smoke burst of light and now we get a close-up of our guy that the, the the murder that's being chased down and grotesque that yeah. face cartoonish that face yeah i mean this is the stuff that that Klaus was leaning into during like if you ever look at his strips and prime cuts he was really playing with that Kriegstein kind of effect and see here's what I'm talking about like you can you could just like highlight your focal points but just gray out everything right and in two seconds you see he's he's manipulating you to see all the important stuff a lot of the white eyes to show Ed were you shocked whenever you got hold of this at how much ink is on the pages oh totally well how much zip specifically because you just never see that yeah it's just covered it's so i mean this is like it's built to be a black and white comic totally it's... totally and i think i think that color corresponds really well if, uh, if i remember right there's a lot of hundred percent like yellows that makes sense and, and dark blues i think that's how you you gotta approach something whenever it's this rendered yeah because color is really something that could just make it too complicated, too too much if you're uh, not careful and understated with the color. I mean, some of these panels feel like they're right out of Lloyd Llewellyn. Yeah. Some of the figures, <laughs> some of the compositions. Draws feet and shoes phenomenally well. You know, you mentioned uh, like photo referencing and stuff. It feels like, you know, you everybody's got shoes. And uh, that's the stuff that he's taken advantage of to look at and reference and really, really nail. And man, every screen tone he has in this panel, maybe. Yeah. That's Eddie Campbell kind of like just pile the screen tone on top of itself. So risky. Like these, this is so dark. It's super dark. I, I had to print black. I can't imagine what that must look like. Yeah. I can't imagine. This could be Rorschach. <laughs> it's so dirty looking and grimy. Yeah. All right, Master Race. I mean, one of the greatest comics of all time, probably the masterpiece to come out of EC in terms of longevity. Yeah. Man, look at that as an illustration. Yeah, the, there's the blow-up uh, and the inside cover. Well, this one, too. This image is blown up on the cover of one of the Kriegstein books that Fanographics published 
several of these though would work that way you know like this is the technique i think that a lot of people took from this story is how do you represent motion and movement um this was kind of a novel approach probably going back to picasso and in, in uh modern the, art the nude descending yes. staircase uh these are drawn so this is not stats uh on top of one another probably certainly light boxed it i would imagine because these are all the same, same phase. size and stuff uh but these are all practical all drawn i find this kind of thing really impressive like if I were doing this, I'd probably screen tone every window, but that's kind of the asymmetry and probably observation. I don't know if that's from life or photos or, you know, some kind of reference, but that's what you end up with, right? Shadows are cast in weird ways and it makes it much more alive to me. Or is it just simply another focal point thing? Like you, you do the opposite when you want somebody to focus on something. So like, is this our guy? Is that who like wants us to look at? Yeah, it could be. So mentioned cutting up these panels uh, on the previous story, and it wasn't so much cut up as subdividing, but here it really is like cutting and rearranging to, uh, to create his effects. And I believe the story is that he ended up getting a couple extra pages for this story in length because he, he felt that there was a lot of potential in this story and right, fought to have like the, uh, the length he thought this story warranted. Yes. And just, dude, imagine the bitch of that's this. That's wild. That is, that's why you get a, uh, an artist edition. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, when I heard that Master Race was in this, that, that's why I scooped it up, because we always heard about the cut-ups. So, like, let's let's see that. I want to see the hand at play. And, like, and how do you do that? You know, and keep everything oriented correctly. You know, it doesn't look chaotic on the printed page. You don't notice it. But that's, a next, that's an extra level of work that could probably draw two, three panels in the time it takes you to paste this up. It's really cool, too, to see what he's doing with screen tone in this story. We go from a story where, like, screen tone's in every panel, and here, very selective and thoughtful in what he's using screen tone on and what he isn't. These kind of geometric pieces, really impressive. Yeah. And that's that mid-century modern style, mm -hmm. which... Don't see it in the other EC guys. You That's, know, this is somebody who's looking at, at museum, at gallery shows, and, and incorporating some of those ideas into his comics. We mentioned it in the uh, the Kubert School thing, but uh, but Alex Stevens was a real devotee of Bernie Krigstein. That and, makes total sense. And would uh, bring that kind of no holding lines, using gray tones and stuff like to his future works. And I would encourage everybody watching this at home. We did a uh, an episode with Warren Bernard on Master Race. Um, seek that out because this is really one of those comics that probably you're not going to do justice to in the in the ten minutes we're going through this story. So I'd encourage everybody to go check that one out. And I love this. So here again, you know, whenever you see the words cut up, he is really doing some work on these pages and for emphasis, right? Like figuring out like this is a big moment, a big visual in the story. Uh, and you never get this in the EC comic, mm -hmm. a big landscape uh, panel. Yeah, it really feels emphasized. And again, repeating this kind of stuff that we saw on page one. There's so much happening in this story. Both the story itself, phenomenal, but the comics making part of it and storytelling that he's doing. It feels like just a guy exploding. Yeah, this, this, is, this is an important story. Uh, I imagine Krigstein completely understood the importance of it uh guys like you know simon wiesenthal and dudes like that were like in the game already with like Nur post nuremberg trials like sort of when far fewer people were being tried in person than everybody would have liked 
uh, Nazi hunting was a thing for, I mean, it's, I, I read recent articles where some little crusty old men just got caught yeah. living in like Cleveland or something. I think there was just one of the, uh, you know, peak TV show about, I think, modern day people that continue Nazi hunting because of all the treasures that were stolen and then you yeah, know, basically right. passed down and, you know, are still many of them still uh, in, in uh, other people's hands instead of the original families that, that had them. This kind of stuff, like the geometric lines, yeah. I think is really interesting to bring into the story. It's one more piece of almost like uh, order coming down, you know, justice in a way. But then you get it, like, go from this kind of order of the subway station into almost the ghosts that are inspiring this chase. You gotta be, like, have such a sensitive hand when dealing with this kind of thing. Like, Krixie might only be be the only guy that could do this. You are 100% right. As good as these EC artists are, it becomes a cartoon in certain hands if you you know if you approach this in any less uh formal respect than what's happening in like the monster commandant there yeah you, you almost want to cover this up yeah you kind of do you kind of do because i do want to spend time on here too right uh but man just and repeating our motion effect from from this distance i was wondering if that's uh grease pencil but that now that's just very fine hatching that's so metallic yeah this is your so this is the zoom on the end pages and if you have this book at home or if you want to go back in the video and pause it i would say like it's something to see this stuff up close just this dry brush waving out you know a lot of moments of his work get into almost abstract territory it's very illustration conscious compared to again a cartoony approach and and this is like the, you have to stick the landing in a strip like this and that's it, it, exactly what they do because in a comic book landscape of no nuance good guys bad guys like this has a resolution but nobody's happy everybody it, it's all it's all bad yeah like you this guy he he you know he got revenge essentially but he doesn't feel any better yeah it's a great story wow amazing all right clear the palette yeah on to, on to the next christine unicorn chaser beast of a story this is one i, I always see this image in my head it's a squatron cover yeah. i believe issue number eight and um one of the great illustrations of Kriegstein, in my opinion, you know, like the textures that he's getting out of that chicken, just the giant chickens in the foreground. Yeah. What a choice. Yeah. Like, like, uh, <laughs> it seems too well referenced. <laughs> like he might've thrown a couple dollars down one time or two because, uh, you can't come up with that in your head. Should be the cover of like the Charles Williford, uh, cockfighter book, you know? <laughs> Zipatone feathers. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's all over the place. The texture there is so rich. And and some honest to goodness cartooning on these fellas. Yeah. Damn near Jack Davis. That's exactly who I was gonna say. Much more in that EC tradition of uh of cartoon guys. Klaus will sign his shit, 2022 AD. Nice. Even that signature has some Klausian, like the scripty Klaus signature, some some similarity. That's a little nineteen nineties uh, image. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I should have checked the years for all these stories. It's incredible this how much 54. he jumps from style to style in a short window of time. Yeah. Because this 
almost looks like a different artist. And it's it's out of order. So like this is before Master Race mm-hmm. because it's a vault of horror. Like Impact Comics is new direction. Like after all that shit goes away. So this is him. This is that uh, old tradition of you try to adapt your style to get the job. And then once you're in the door, then you could start playing around. Because you see a little... It looks uncomfortable to him. You it, you see a little Johnny Craig in here. You saw the Jack Davis kind of cartooning. Like Jack Davis kind of cartooning. Uh, this stuff is wild. Like like the the expressions here, it's almost a caricature of comic books. Yeah, yeah. Little Johnny Craig-ish. Little Jack Kamen-ish. So, so he's, he's getting the job. And then he's going to adapt and, and, and be his own guy. And sticking within the uh, the layouts that, that he was given on this one. Don't rock the boat too much once you're getting in the game. Yeah, it's fun to see him do kind of a traditional EC-style story in this one. I think when you when you start out, unless, unless finances aren't a concern to you, um, there's a personal chilling effect that happens where you stick within certain confines that you see just because you don't have time to draw it over again if if the boss is upset you know like this is adventurous enough we we mentioned there's rarely ever landscape panels uh, as as far as i know Christine's the only guy to do it yeah we'll keep our eyes peeled going through here but not something you see very often it's so brutal the story <laughs> and then you got your paste up uh Right. Johnny Craig. <laughs> Brokeback Mountain. Prelude. They use that in the pitch to Warner Brothers. Some of those Fanographics Kriegstein books, they have like the Westerns and stuff. It was such a big genre. Like almost anybody that did comics did some of those Western stories. So fun to see their, uh, the, the reference to that. Classic Cowboys. We mentioned Potemkin earlier and those old German silent movies and he straight up calling himself dr caligari krigstein right there dude <laughs> creating that mood very stagey wow all all hatching all yeah. what look like pen line hatching it's really a nice line contrast between these fine scratchy pen lines and like one big big brush line to uh create some separation this is a cool opportunity for the colorist to do something like that has to be a lighter value than that one look at the brush lines there too I love how much you see the material on the page. Yeah. I feel like guys work really hard to obscure that a lot of times and make it very polished. And with Kriegstein, it's just on display. Real ballsy. Yeah, this doesn't feel like your audition, your EC Comics audition page. No. Dude, look at the ghastliness of this guy. He just, to go between like these kinds of heavy brush pieces into this sort of fine pen line hatching i love it real dickensian character just imagine oi governor get your foreshortening on this hand no yeah breaking the panel border too a little bit but like totally that's a uh something we'd see kirby make really good use of a decade later speaking of kirby right like Mm -hmm. that dramatic foreshortening absolutely just a pair of eyeballs this story even reminds me a little bit of ditko like some some of the shadows and, and like the the weirdness of that character the big eyes I mean, those are almost, you could almost find in a Ditko story. Some of those eyeballs. I don't know if he has a story that's not good looking. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, of course. 
<laughs> There's no Leroy lettering for uh, <laughs> comic book profanity. Grolix. That's a pretty cool effect. I wonder if that's something that he cut out. You know, I mean, you can see it's been cut out, so a piece that he came up with to, uh, you know, just give it that little bit of a tilted angle, something askew. Tilted angles, take a Genius. look at that right there, man. Man, both of these, right? Look at that staircase. It's a death trap. <laughs> yeah, that's phenomenal. That's another, like, illustration. It look, feels like something I would see in a painting rather than in a comic book in, in hatching. Yeah, or just, or just, like, the real life thing really is just go to the Warner Brothers set or something like these rickety old constructs. Very nice selection of uh, Kurtzman represented here. Yeah, even some old stuff, man, with his uh, sci-fi work. Like his sci-fi strips are just the greatest, and they stick out like sore thumbs because he still has Ben Oda doing the lettering amongst all the Leroy lettered stuff. This is a classic story. Famous image, and once again, busting out the razor blade. Yeah, and a lot of white. You can see how much is added afterwards because you can see those lines behind it. That makes me wonder, like, does he draw this and then think, oh, yeah, we need more We need uh, more action on this page and then add those? Good depth with a heavy brush and a thinner brush for the background characters. Uh, these moments like this with, uh, you know, you get your focal points. Yeah, that heavy brush line is... I don't know anybody that really does that, to go that heavy. It creates cognitive dissonance with this kind of subject matter and these kind of rubber figures, but it totally works. You know, these, these stories are always brutal, mm -hmm. but with drawings like that. It's, it's completely different, but in a way, I feel like this is the closest to a Kriegstein in the EC yeah, stable. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because he's treating line much differently than the majority of those guys do. It has an effect of being almost like, instead of combat photographer, combat sketch artist. Like, you got to get these drawings out fast because this bomber is, like, circling you guys. Makes me wonder if he's looking at reference like Bill Malden, mm -hmm. World War II cartoons and things. And, and any cartoons, really, for that matter. Because that was a type of visual reporter for, you know, probably the first half of the 20th century. And Kurtzman seems like a guy that would be cognizant of what's going on visually around him, so. And it is uncanny how much of a cartoon this stuff is. So rubber figures. Versus your subject matter. And there's one of your, uh, a, a wide panel. Just, this is the Kurtzman storytelling. Boom, boom, boom. Create that pattern. The, uh, the Chekhov's uh, tripwire. Yeah, yeah. Chekhov's pipe bomb. <laughs> yeah, these marks are just amazing. It's fun that we had a Johnny Craig example of almost basically the same thing. You get yeah, to see two, two treatments of it. There it is. Boom, 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 boom. Really great storytelling to go from the row of panels to like hitting the ground below it. And then you got the Keystone Cops showing up. <laughs> A lot of just that iconographic kind of language, you interpret those as, of course, those are dudes running, but you look close and it's more icon than uh, like a reference character. Yeah, look at this stuff. Very brutal. A lot of texture on this page. A lot of drapery. 
very simple too some you know a lot of this treatment just enough for us to read it quickly and that's what what he's about man he wants you to read the story and move through it and he also has that confidence too because i mean he's drawing this amongst the best illustrators so he's not allowing himself really to be corrupted by other flash yeah again great storytelling right going into the tunnel and then from inside the tunnel looking out you basically get two two panels there one reverse the other different a couple of great shots of airplanes like this some of these airplanes just very effective and simple in a lot of cases cartoon tanks I mean, these these things could easily you could imagine Lichtenstein appropriating this kind of composition. Yeah, I, I feel like Lichtenstein, like uh, a lot of it has to do with the Ben Oda lettering. Yeah, and I and I and I would bet that Lichtenstein pulled like maybe Oda inked some of that Russ Heath, or you know, lettered some of that Russ Heath stuff. Yeah, they almost even resemble like a couple of these almost like propaganda images posters. Totally. These are a kind of propaganda comic, uh, anti-war to be sure, man. On the cover it would say, make war no more. Do you remember ever coming across like Kurtzman interviews or anything where he talked about how this stuff was received by like Gaines or Feldstein or any of the EC? Was there pushback whenever this shows up? Because it is a, a rougher drawing style. Oh, like his drawing style? Yeah, like a less finished kind of approach to drawing. Well, here's the thing, like, like Kurtzman was with them before William Gaines and it seems like like they have a certain level of taste Gaines Gaines and Feldstein uh, I've not seen any pushback good I'm satisfied with that and, and, and he's always had to work and the end they've created titles that Kurtzman edited like you know like they held a he must have been held in high regard saw this in uh, close-up earlier yeah that's a stark page. You know, it's just this cannon firing. Great, great uh, fire lines with the ink lines. Like, just, like, imagine the brush. Like, he just whipped that out. And it's, look at those back muscles, bro. That's so abstract. Almost we're going to pee bag territory. Yeah, it's definitely cartooning. Pretty good, uh, again, storytelling. Building that house, building his dreams. Yeah, this is fun. This this feels like very much a Kurtzman piece. Yes. You know, having some kind of a, a through line through the story, something to make the story interesting and hold it all, draw it all together. And it's and it's would be in the same orientation. It would be the same. This this is the kind of thing that uh, like you hear about Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons mm -hmm. using Kurtzman techniques and Watchmen. Like it's this kind of thing because like as you're turning the page, you're seeing. There's a whole comic happening like in this one spot, and this would be a prototype of stories like the mole in I think Mad Number Two, where you see the same image over and over in the same. It's almost like animation, like a flip book. It's in the same spot on preceding pages. Yeah, that's a really good mechanism for a war story yeah very uh again brutal it's interesting to see this story and think of how brutal it is because it represents a man's dreams and right. dreams of his family and everything and the results and i mean like story before i'm talking about brutal and it's guys fighting in close close quarters with knives and gun stocks up against the head it's the same gi joe comics 
Look at the movement mm -hmm. from panel to panel with all of these very clear shapes moving you from one panel to the next. I think it's interesting to look at the smoke and stuff coming off too, and that he's drawing it differently in each panel. They're all very simple, but it's still like, how do you keep that visual variety and interest going? It's storytelling too. Like when you watch a fire, like it's that smoldering black shit, and then it's remnants essentially, like as as time goes by. Called me a liar, man, because they, the, uh, they got Leroy lettered Kurtzman in here. But that's that's Ben Oda. Yeah. Pretty dramatic. You know, you're gonna do your splash page. Haven't seen one of those. Absolutely. Ha haven't man. seen that treatment yet. Still that Kurtzman. Look at that. How about that right there, Jim? Yeah, and that doesn't look like it's lifted and cut up. He might have wrote written this story himself. Yeah, maybe done layouts or something. Yeah. Yeah, this is a little bit, feels like a tighter Kurt, Kurtzman style. Maybe doing the sci-fi, that was something that he imposed on himself. You don't see quite as wild of, uh, of of inking. Still some examples, but... He was an editor on this, so maybe that has something to do with it. Like, you know, he's the top dog on those fight books. Very different treatment of the interior rocket than, uh, <laughs> than what we see with the Wally Wood. This is one of those teachable textures that they would show in like how to draw comics the Marvel way. Mm -hmm. Like that's how you get your under lighting on your foliage. Look at that, dude. All made completely up of that. Yeah, that's your classic cartooning. How about that, dude? That communicates that we ain't in Kansas anymore. Not the truth. Good rubble like throughout. Stuff being trashed. Finding places to put shadows on these figures too. That's been, we've seen it in almost every story that we've looked at. I think that's real interesting how important black was in these comics. Yeah. Because it just isn't that way anymore. At least not in your uh, traditional assembly line comics. Those are pretty abstract building ruins. The amount of text in that <laughs> you know you would find that a lot in these things man and and certainly even in marvel comics where they they're on the last page and they got to wrap this thing up in a bun let's yeah. vomit that out real quick <laughs> a lot of exposition i always think these covers look bigger the figures yeah. the and i know they're two up but it still just feels so big and powerful this is the part them. that i always remember from this yeah. cover that like that's brutal it is and it's a great use of just that big heavy line of his yeah look at how loose those figures are those background figures hey guys <laughs> tell jonesy here about your armistice another great frame almost kirby-esque sure great moving wheels that's something you don't think about until you're tasked with drawing it. Yeah. At moving tires. By the way, off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> the one that we can see near the ground line, it's up up in the air. Look at that tank tread. I was impressed by the, the heavy artillery gun here. 50 caliber. Last time I saw one of those, I think Rambo was doing uh, taking out the driver of the Jeep. <laughs> the gun yeah. was mounted in. 
Man, how mad would Kurtzman be with us doing a Rambo reference <laughs> in his story? <laughs> All right, Joe Orlando. Mentioned him at the top of the show. Ugh. Doesn't it almost look Filipino? Like a, it does. Like a Nino or something? Yeah, it does. A lot of line. And Orlando, long career in comics, going on to be a, a DC editor for a long period. And stuck with comics. He, he would draw stuff in Mad even when I was a kid in the 90s. I would see his name show up. And he's another guy, like, that incredible craft. Mm -hmm. He's mentioned, you know, eighth or ninth in a conversation when, when you talk EC. And that's just, there's no reason for that. If he was anywhere else, he would be a top dog. Looks like his line is a little bit less labored over mm -hmm. than some of these, the, the Frazetta, Al Williamson, Wally Wood kind of lines. Because you see similar technique, the double lighting that, that you might associate with wood. But the uh, the line seems a little bit less fetishized. Sure. Still very solid. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not like they had a weak link in any of these. Good spotting of blacks. The lettering another... feels different. Like, there's like a more space. It does, and there's some variation in size, like a drop cap here, or some of the bold, emphasized line uh, text. You know, it's slightly bigger. I wondered about that. I think, got a, story. I think they got a new guy. This is really strange to me, the staggering of some of these tiers. Like, is it planned? It doesn't look like that. those words have been cut out and moved down. Yeah, maybe this new letter like, fucked all kinds of shit up. <laughs> Making some, some strange choices. <laughs> he pulls a spaceship out of his mouth. <laughs> It was in his sandwich. That's a great, I love that film. So gnarly. <laughs> Look at that crowd scene. Almost becomes foliage in the background. It Man, there's like a thousand people in that crowd. Yeah. It makes me wonder if the Alfredo Alcalas and stuff like, like got hold of this kind of comic. Because they definitely feel like an evolution of right. that, st that specific style. Yeah, it's a good call. This is an interesting looking story. You know, I feel like here the line is a little more considered. Yeah, this is much later. And this is the perfect, like the iRobot strips. These are the ones that should be reprinted, you know. Like if we did the first volume, we have a video on that. And that should have Judgment Day, right? Like that's like probably his most important story. So as far as like B stories go or whatever, the iRobot, by, and, by that's, and that's Auto Bender. This reminds me a lot of Charles Burns. Yeah. And I can't tell you exactly what it is. It's not a dead ringer for it. It's, it's just some of the compositions and lighting, character it, design. Yeah, it's down to spirit, too. You know, just the, the, the idea of it. Never seen this screen tone. No. Do you know how many of these guys shared studio? I don't. I don't, but I do know that the EC office was the this, the meeting ground where a lot of these guys would see this stuff. I do think Joe Orlando did work with uh, Wally Wood, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. That makes sense. Some of these kinds of shadows remind me a lot of Wood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this right here, it feels, oh, yeah. like, it feels like Wally Wood might have even had his hand on this page a little bit. Yeah, it's very Wood esque. like all the different treatments of the panel borders. Again, just keeping things, try to keep things interesting. And these guys were the best at it. 
So much drawing on a page. Oh, yeah. Not getting any blank backgrounds. No uh, unnecessary close-ups. This is not 1960s Marvel for a tenth of the price on a page rate where you're doing, like, close-up of the arm on every other page. <laughs> and this kind of story, I feel like, is one you can compare to those late 50s Marvel monster stories. They're the same sort of, like... Just a short science fiction story, but wow, the execution. Worlds apart. Adam Link, man. F famous sci-fi character. All right, John Severin and Will Elder teaming up. One of the great collaborations in pen and ink. Like it's even a classy signature. Yeah, yeah, credit, yeah. Credit line. Yeah, like they, um, it's, it's Severin on pencils. Which you think of him, like, when he inks other people, how, how like, he gets it to all look mm -hmm. like his stuff. Uh, so it's Will Elder on the ink, so it's a heavy hand. Like, I think of uh, John Severin as a pen guy. Yes. So it's interesting to see a very controlled type brush on John Severin. And, and, and Elder, you know, as they say in wrestling, he gets a little shit in there. Like, I see the Elder in here. Yeah. It's, it's this kind of stuff where you see the Elder. If you know Goodman Beaver and future comics like that. How about that, dude, the duotone? Yeah, I was looking at that. It's, it's pretty interesting. I don't think we've seen that in the previous stories in this volume. Wait till we see Williamson, baby. They create such a contrast, the panels that have that duo shade. It's so funny. Like, it's Bill Elder giving John Severin a little taste of his own medicine. Because <laughs> that, if you ever see when Bill Elder, like, draws himself, he looks like this guy right there. That's funny. The uh, shades of Stephen Platt. <laughs> Shell casings. Yeah, this is Bill Elder. That's a portrait. John Severin must have drew him. But you can see the Severin in there. It's so interesting. Like, they are such a tight collaboration. They look so good together. Yeah, it looks almost like a different artist. Check this out, dude. Just Duotone paper costs a lot. Right. So we're just going to cut out of this course. island. Uh-huh. Amount, dude. They, these are guys who grew up in the depression. You can see it here too. You know, the duo shade on this page. Well, well, you, a cutout panel. Sure, yeah. Like, and that's how you would do it. It would never be the full paper. But I'm talking about a fucking yep. little piece right here within the panel. Yeah, man. Look at the weird ink marks. The white on this. Well, that's the razor. Yeah. Yeah, that's the razor getting dragged across. That feels like. Will Elder and Harvey Kurtzman. Yeah, is that a stat? I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. I didn't even think of that. But what's interesting, here, can you go on a previous page real quick? Okay, no, in fact, I, I see I see it right here. I don't think the original drawing is on here. No, like, I agree. So they just stat this, but then they have to draw a little extra here right. to, to get this moment. And you see the cut up right there. And then you just blow up, blow up, blow up. But... This ain't computer lettering, so you have to cut and leave space for the lettering. There's there's still a lot of work that's done there. Yeah, you can see those edges. On like every panel, you can find that edge of where the uh, photostat ends. Jeez. This How is, old is Williamson when he's when, I at know, this he's, point? You know, like early 20s? The, the Wonderkin. This is from... Uh, oh no, this is... This says Shock Suspense Stories. It's a great texture for the head. So Williamson-ish. 
Yes. You know, pulling from the Alex Raymond school. Doesn't that look like a Muppet? That looks uncanny. Yeah, it does. It's strange. These backgrounds are really phenomenal. Like the like the palace. It's some kind of alien palace. Worth worth noting that it probably is not uh, Williamson. Roy Crankle is often known as the background guy for, for the Fleagles. And the Fleagles would be Al Williamson, Frank Frazetta, Roy Crankle, Angelo Torres would show up. Maybe one or two other guys. So often you might see some chicks that look like Frazetta chicks. And mm -hmm. they are... You, you, there's there's a lot of hands on the page here. Very famously, these guys would get together, bash out a story. It would be the best look at thing ever, but they, that's how they would describe it. And go off and play baseball. Yeah. Go off and, and have double dates with their with with their old ladies and stuff. Um, it's a very different visual style than what we've seen so far. Yeah, f firmly planted in the Alex Raymond school, bringing the Alex Raymond energy to comic books, which really wasn't. I don't know that there was time for that, or certainly a financial incentive for that un until you have like the EC guys. Yeah, what is that? Yeah, that's it's a, a, it's, tone, it's a right? tone. Yeah, it's a screen. And you or I would be like, why the fuck would you you do that? But it looks great. It looks fine. Yeah, knowing what I know about reproduction, I feel like that probably reproduces better than some of the tight screens that we've seen. And I then, like this shadow. Totally yeah. just a dry brush put down quickly. Yeah, nice the, contrast with the tight line of put, the plane. Putting that one down real quick. That's the last lines to put on the paper before you can go play some pickup ball. <laughs> Another one of those pasted up duotone mm -hmm. panels. You, well, you're going to see on some pages, you're going to see methods and materials at use. You'll, you'll see some of that uh, grease pencil on coquille stipple paper. You'll see duotone. Like, you'll see. These, these twists are always funny. It's the rats that survive. <laughs> This is a pretty good destruction panel. Oh, yeah. It has some of that impressionistic quality. This is in uh, that incredible science fiction um, slipcase that, that, I, that I got when I, when I was a kid and where I was just like, it's hopeless. Like, I'll never get to make comics when I'm older. Yeah, this is just everything. No holding lines on so much. See, I would imagine that this is Crinkle. And see, they're they're so from pulp, you know. Like mm -hmm. that's a that's a Lovecraftian kind of thing. Imagine that's Crankle. Uh, no holding lines. Like we're gonna use zips on this background, just like a tight pen on that background, a looser pen. Whenever I first started noting like the no holding lines on art, would all on comic book art, it would always blow my mind. Yeah. how that would work. Like, look at this page right here, dude. Got a couple duotone pieces, and they're cutting in highlights. That's not a stat. Here's your grease pencil on the coquille stipple paper, and that's just amazing. Also hitting it with the white. So you're able to ink on that paper and hit it with that pen, pencil. Zipatone for background. Like there's, there's almost every illustration technique at your disposal in black and white line is, is exhibited on this page right here. Man, I start looking now at these backgrounds where it's like almost a different line in some of these yeah you know you talk about crankle and, and that's what makes me think of it like okay this is something that we're not seeing anywhere else it's just in this background that might be that other hand yeah yeah like this is crankle these are that's definitely crankle and included in this volume is the greatest crankle splash page to ever fucking like it's it's gonna make your jaw drop you see all of this stuff dude it's tight pen it's weird uh, screen tones, then it's pen again. 
you know, going around the form as we indicated in the beginning, more this that grease pencil strange. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like something out of like popular mechanics or like one of those like futuristic futurist images in an old magazine illustration. Yeah, the amount of drawing in many of these panels, it's just hard to believe that's one panel on a page. Yeah. All kinds of reductive white media being used. Look at those splashes, dude. It Did feels you... like you're doing um like this would be your monthly assignment. Sure, Not yeah. like an eight-pager, but but like 22 pages of work. And, you know, Simonson didn't do all that much. This is the one. Doesn't that almost look like Kevin Eastman? Like like a, <laughs> like a Ninja Turtles comic? Like, you know, it's like they got they got to get that one out real quick. It's, yeah, that's funny. That's it's funny in this story. It still is super dope, but... Dude, look how beautiful the water is. Oh, yeah. See, these guys were looking at all those, like, Pyle, Wyeth, like, all those, like, you know, turn-of-the-century illustrators that would have like pirate sequences and 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 uh sailboats so like they they figured that stuff out early this is that crankle piece that is jaw dropping yeah it's ludicrous the the fine details for like the grass bottom land here and these textures on leaves i am so thankful for this because i first saw it in those ec hardcovers and those are printed bigger and i remember thinking like i'm glad this thing is printed bigger but that's about this big right to see a scan of the original is such a sight to behold it's something i never thought i would get to see uh, i'm i'm fine with facsimiles like i don't need to have the original object this is perfectly suitable for me and uh this is where the the time sink happens like you can't just open this book and expect to put it down in like 10 minutes this is an experience and you could stare at this for, for this one page for an hour the parallel lines these super fine lines it's phenomenal like i can't believe this is to scale it feels like this has been reduced it prints well too like it looks good in the final printed form yeah it's mind-blowing and just different hatches like to and communicating light with those man again williamson very young getting to this point being in a studio with guys that are that are peers doing this kind of work hard to believe and it would be this stuff that george lucas knew when he was like can we get al williamson i mean jeez. you would see this exact stuff with this kind of imagination in those star wars comics i love this where the screen tone is not just cut neat mm-hmm You can feel that approach to an apex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like he he works more speedy after the these EC comics. Still dope, you know. We'll look at that Blade Runner one time. Yeah. Which yeah, is done. Marvel. Which is done twenty twenty years later. This is kind of a cool piece because you have that treatment in the background of like kind of a, a single line weight, you know, a pen line weight that we pointed out earlier in several stories. And so you get to see the Al Williamson version of that. It's, it's a, uh, you know, same tools, but, but a different end result. In the Russ Cochran hardcovers, uh, whenever they're padding out the issues, they're making the pagination right so that the strips read properly, they will print some of the photographs that these dudes used mm -hmm. for reference uh so every time i see this kind of stuff i just know that there's a corresponding photo 
Love seeing this with the night sky behind it. Yeah. That's another inventive piece, right? We're doing lots of foliage throughout this story. How do you keep making it uh, new? And, and, and by the way, uh, often traced, like he would project or, or trace the photo. But uh, when you see stuff like this, I mean, this is a very extreme example and probably not the one to point to. But uh, probably perhaps a Wally Wood would be a better example where, yes, you're referencing a lot. You're tracing a lot of stuff. But in that final incline, you have to turn it to a Wallywood comic. Right. And, th and that's that's the difference between like what you see now, you know, where people are literally just tracing photos and like that that line is the line. Like it's there's like a incongruency like this is an Al Williamson piece. And, and you know, you know that there, this was a photo like I mean, that is Al Williamson. Um, but he turns it into his own deal. So awesome. Next story here, Al Williamson, and now we're getting even another technique of splatter. Probably yeah. uh, putting frisket or something down to be able to do that white splatter on top of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this very likely can be a Frazetta lady. A lot of talent on these pages, man. Yeah, I'll say. Wow. Gotta imagine these things rolling into the office, the originals, and people, you know, this 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 was the winner that day, the day this story <laughs> came in. Fel Feldstein and uh, Gaines were huge sci-fi guys, and the sci-fis uh, notoriously sold the least, Right. but they kept it going out of their own sheer love, so those guys are just waxing all over this, I'm sure. More duotone? Yeah, I love that monster. It's really great in the foreground. Yeah, and this feels like that old serials. Yeah. Yeah, there were some famous funnies covers that Frazetta drew that I feel like have that exact Buck Rogers. Seen a couple of these checkerboard floors on uh, past stories too, something good, he liked. Good way to ba break up the space. Great dramatic lighting. Insane, huh, Jimmy? Yeah, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Humbling. Our cover uh, reproduced here. Cover to this edition, I should say. Did five minutes on that one. And then I think the story is like, at least some of this Wally Wood was uh, discovered after, I guess, the Wally Wood Artist Edition. It's amazing to think like, oh yeah, here's another Wally Wood story. Right. Didn't realize existed. He could just do these congested panels, make everything look solid. You know, like total Hal Foster devotee. Yes. Can you go back real quick? I bet on that projector, same figure, and then just like move that projector back a little bit more. <laughs> you think? They're, yeah, in, the, they're in the same. They're in the exact exactly same pose. The same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some commonality on a couple of these figures too. Yeah. They are they are soldiers in step though, so maybe that's fair. I wonder what kind of morgue file you have for these kind of weapons, medieval weapons. Pretty believable the way, you know, it looks like they're in motion. These cool helmets and stuff, like you would see these like weird chicken helmets in in uh, Prince Valiant. That's one we need to figure out how to do, because I got about 18 volumes of, of, of that, like almost all the Hal Foster. And it's like, we haven't done one. Like, That's true. Like, how do we do that? Lot to read. This is such an interesting Wood story because I always think of like sci-fi with him, uh, Mad Magazine. There's there's so much like he really could do whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a top guy, and this is 
Two-Fisted Tales or Frontline Combat. And the cool thing about Frontline Combat, the title implies World War II, but there would be historic stuff. Yeah, and the historic detail, like the pottery, the architecture. You're watching a lot of Cecil B. DeMille movies. Yeah, it feels like a lot of work to be able to pull off. And, of course, the sci-fi that I you know, I just mentioned. Get your inside of your uh, World War II bombers for your, si your, your rocket ship interiors. I think I cribbed this panel um, in X-Men Grand Design uh, around about the place. Like, this would be Storm, I think. It's just a good composition, foreground character. Yeah. It's interesting to come to Wallywood after the Al Williamson section. Right. Because you see almost like a brush approach to some of the same ideas and lighting. He doesn't draw superhero proportions. And often when he's tracing his photos or whatever, he's abiding by their natural proportions. So the characters all feel squat compared to what you're used to mm -hmm. in comics. And the trick is, like, if you're doing that kind of thing on your own, if you just shrink that head a little bit, you create a superhero. Right. That low uh, plane ground plane level perspective yeah i'm not crazy about that like, she feels so stuck and that's the thing about wally wood is he's such a hell of a drawer but as a storyteller and sometimes even as a composer like those are the second thoughts on his mind to just drawing really cool stuff really like these two panels Something about that black background, like it feels like they're emerging out of that darkness. Yeah. It's very believable lighting. Man, that double lit faces. Hard is that Dean Martin? Works. Dean Martin reference? <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> Open panel is very nice. Yeah, this is wild stuff. I gotta take a look. We gotta show this off real quick, man. Because, like, I was noticing, you know, Landgraf from the school and how he would do these, like, super light, like, he would give you the top brow, like, mm -hmm. lid, and then just kind of basically dash dash off the bottom. And you see that the originator of that, man, really is like Wally Wood. Yes. Landgraf uh, briefly assisted Wood. Is that is that right? Did, I, did yeah, some kind I, of. I think so intern there he at least sh he, he showed up and he there shows up go. and he shows up in our comments too so he'll set us straight because i'm sure this is an episode that uh he, he would be checking out another one of your frontline combat stories look at the cartoon in this face yeah almost jack davis yeah great foliage great everything on, on the splash panel this These actually, things are so loaded with detail. It's Dang. true. And like some of this, like there there are extra hands on this. And Wally Wood famously would use assistance and ship. And I think it's apparent on some of this. Probably this is probably some Joe Orlando actually, because like you were talking about the like sort of less considered line. Like that's not Wally Wood. And and notoriously slow. Um, but that slowness didn't mean that he missed deadlines and meant that he brought people in. Yeah, worked all nighters. Yeah. A lot of stories about those those uh You pay for it. Right. Again, the black and white, it, it just blows my mind because people just don't draw this way anymore. No. So so much of the values on these pages, it's like 
I don't know, technology, reproduction, whatever has changed, you just don't see this kind of lighting. Pay structure? Yeah. And that's what makes me love guys like a, like a Matt Lisniewski, who does have an eye for lighting and detail and is sort of holding on to that. I feel like this is, you know, the, the Kurtzman show, showing through. Oh, yeah. Some of the Kurtzman breakdowns. Yeah, Wood is, you know, he's a cantankerous old cuss, and uh, he definitely bristled at a lot of, like, the, the Wally Wood hand-holding. So a lot of the congestion is him. You know, it's it's him making Kurtzman nuts. <laughs> it's an easy panel to draw. Yes. Wow. Talking about your landscape and textures. Haven't seen this treatment before. Amazing. Yeah. Total wasteland. Yeah, no man's land. It feels there. like that Kevin Eastman zombie war thing. But also this duotone screen, the dot, the lines are set further apart than almost any other that we've seen. And the unfortunate thing is it is not an archival process mm -hmm. or anything. So there has been some some fading. Sometimes I feel like this stuff really approaches like that high contrast photos. Uh huh. And I wonder what these guys are looking at at this point. Yeah. You know, in the fifties, if that's something that's starting to come out that they're starting to uh, to see and kind of fold in. Wow. That's a good uh, yeah, way I'll to leave say. it. Huge. You know, I think it's a speed thing. You you were talking about it. Like he drew the lines mm -hmm. where this stuff was going, but then he also just drew these clouds in ahead of it, and. When you see Kurtzman's style, like speed is the first thing that comes to mind in a lot of ways. So it's just faster to just hit it off with some white yeah. at the end and then brr, brr. I wonder what the sound of brr is, right? Because yeah. you feel like there's, there's like a metronomic brr. That's what it looks like. Brr. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, it's neat. Interesting to think about working that way, like super fast in your ink. You know, if you imagine Kurtzman doing his layouts and roughs and getting to this stage where it's like he's already done this story a couple of times, worked right. it out, knows what he's going for, and then just put down that, that line as fast as you can. Might be a cool way to mix up process a little bit and try some of that. Yeah, you got to have balls, you know, like yeah. like maybe maybe if you have a week uh, to, to throw away, you know, like you don't put the pressure on yourself, you know? It's funny to say it that way, because the other thing that you've got to have are deadlines. Yeah. You know, like, I, I picture him working as fast as he can because of the volume of work he has to produce. Yeah. Very cool, man. What a book, Ed. Oh. Jeez. When, when, you know, when are we alive that this is something you have access to? Like, you talk about picking up some of these books whenever you're a kid at a flea market. Like, this is what we now have. Yeah, and it's stuff, like, I never in a million years thought I would get to rest eyes on one page of the stuff. Uh, once again, I don't need the original object. These are beautiful scans. Imagine if you're if this is what you get hold of whenever you're a kid at the flea market instead of the the reproductions, but you're actually getting this where you can really look at the marks and think like that's a brush, that's some kind of pasted up something. The Russ Cochran stuff was life changing. This would absolutely put a kid on the path. Yeah, I mean there'd be a lot of uh, a lot of answers in these pages if you got this young and wanted to make comics. Absolutely. I, a lot of answers on the page at this age. And perhaps a barrier to entry for a little kid to get That's their hands true. on this fucker. That is true. <laughs> they ain't called an artist edition for nothing. Probably a good thing. Because yeah. uh, you talk about thinking, I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> might, might be a, a bridge too far if you're a kid and get hold of this trying to make comics. Or you create the next uh, the next 
sort of generation of assassins with the pen and ink who just slay, you know? That is true, too. It will uh, leave an impression. Well, Jimmy, we have to go break all of our pencils and, and, <laughs> and put all of our ink down the drain. Kayfabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, we'll notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, Jimmy? Hulk Grand Design Monster and Madness is in stores everywhere. It's my retelling of the 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk in one coherent story, writing, drawing, penciling, the Grand Design Treatment. And join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see a lot more of my comics art and how I make the comics I make. Red Room, the anti-social network. Red Room trigger warnings out in the wild as we speak. Murder on the dark web for fun and profit is the name of the game. Banned in 28 countries, banned in more than 10 comic shops. Uh, if you don't got to hit your local comic shop, go to my link tree in the description below. Uh, you can order the comics and pre-order future comics. That way, you can hit up my Patreon to read the comics today. Three bucks will get you to the archive there. We're promoting com Cartoonist Kayfabe comic book Christmas in July. Uh, the very last Saturday of July, we're going to be going around town, uh, stuffing all of those uh, free little lending libraries in uh, our neighborhoods full of comics. Uh, I got a whole bunch of doubles I'm put, putting in there. I'm putting, I have a whole bunch of uh, X-Men Grand Designs and Hip Hop Family Trees. The Red Rooms ain't going in the free lending. <laughs> we, don't need, we don't need controversy in the neighborhood, but we encourage you guys to do the same with your doubles and any uh, comics you have laying around that you would be uh, happy to share. We need to create the next generation of comic book readers. Jimmy, what else do we have out there? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. And order your Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. That's another great way to support the Cartoonist. Saw a lot of shirts at, uh, at Heroes Con this past weekend, so very cool. Shouts to all those dudes, man. Good way to support the channel. Give them those marching orders. We'll be on our way. Make more comics.